Well, good evening. I'm so glad to have this opportunity again to open up the Bible and to preach God's Word to you. And so I want you to find in your Bible Luke chapter 14. And I want to ask you a question while you're turning to Luke 14. Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's a great question. Why? Because it has everything to do with where we're going. It has everything to do with how we're growing. And it has everything to do with what we are becoming. Remember, a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a follower. So when we become a disciple of Jesus Christ, we're following Christ, but we're learning Christ. We are learning who he is. We're learning about his life. We're learning what he believes. We're learning how he thinks. We're learning how he behaves. And we're following him, learning from him, and we are becoming like Christ. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is one who is becoming like the one that they are following. Now listen to me carefully. That's when we became Christians, salvation is coming to Jesus Christ by faith and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. That is salvation. And salvation is the miracle of the moment. You can be saved like that. This morning we had some that were saved. A man 72 years old trusted Christ as his Lord and Savior today. And I rejoice in that miracle of the moment. But I will tell you, discipleship now is the journey of a lifetime. And Jesus becomes the rabbi. Jesus is the teacher. Jesus is the master. And we are following him. Remember, that's what Jesus called men to. Follow me. Follow me. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. Come unto me. And let me just stop right there and just remind you. When we come to Christ, we're not, it's not an invitation to a church. It's not an invitation to a creed. It's not an invitation to a certain conduct. Salvation is an invitation to Christ. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Hey, when I came to Jesus Christ, Jesus unburdened me from my sin. He unburdened me from that weight of guilt and shame that I had in my life. And Jesus unshackled me from those chains. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. I have found rest in Christ. Now, he said, I'll give you rest. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now that yoke was that wooden instrument that went around the neck of two oxen or two mules. And it, it, it tied two animals together and made them one so they could pull as one. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. I have a work for you. And I want you to take this yoke around your neck. I want you to yoke up with me. Take my yoke upon you. And watch what he says. And learn of me. I want you to yoke up with me in my work. I want you to go where I'm going. Pull what I'm pulling. Become co-laborers together with Christ. Let him become the leader and we the follower. And we're learning from him. And he said, for I am meek and lowly. You shall find rest for your souls. Listen, discipleship is a call to follow Christ. And are you really following Christ? Well, let's find out about that. Jesus at the zenith of his ministry in Luke chapter 14, in verse 25, there went out great multitudes with him. He was 
so popular, his fame spread throughout all the Decapolis and all through the Galilee. He turned and he said unto these multitudes of people, If any man come to me, now remember, there it is. This is the call of discipleship. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever did not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Let me just tell you right now, discipleship is a call to crucifixion. You have to crucify all of your personal relationships. Christ becomes the number one relationship. He is preeminent and we follow him. And so when those who have done this, who have given Christ the first and we have loved him the best, he then in turn enriches all of our relationship with mother, with father, with sister, with brother. Those that we love, we love better when we love him best. Now, this is the call to crucifixion. There's a cross in discipleship. Take up your cross and follow me. This is the call of Christ, that, that crucifixion, the crucified life. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now, it's a call to crucifixion. But not only that, watch what he said. He said, it's a call to construction. For which of you, verse 28, intending to build a tower, set it not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it. Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build, and was not able to finish. Now here is a man who is constructing a tower, and towers were constructed in the vineyard. It had all to do with fruitfulness, had all to do with the success of the vineyard. God has a tower for you to build. He has a tower for you to build. And he said, I want you to count the cost of that tower. I don't want you to go halfway. I don't want you to get to the place where you can't finish it. Why? Because then the cause of Christ becomes mocked. Others say, look at here, there's a deacon who used to deacon, and he's no deaconing anymore. There's a preacher who used to preach, but he's not preaching anymore. There's a, a, a faithful church member who used to go, but they don't go anymore. There's a man who was teaching, but he's not teaching anymore. There's someone who was tithing, but they're not tithing anymore. Uh, they used to give, but they don't give anymore. Now listen, uh, that brings reproach to the name of Christ. No half-built towers. We want to go all the way. Discipleship is a call to construction. But now today, I want you to see that it's a call to building. It's a call not only to construction, but watch this, it's a call to battle. It's a call to conflict. Jesus was not giving any fine print. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a disciple of mine, it's going to require a battle. There's a conflict for you. Now watch it. There's a cross, there's a construction, there is a conflict. And so now, this is what Jesus is going to tell us in verse 31. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is a great way off, he sendeth out an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise... 
Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now, friend, listen. If, a, if discipleship is a call to follow Christ, then Christ has the right to set the parameters and he sets the conditions. And so this is a condition now that he has set, saying, listen, if you're going to follow me, it's a call to conflict. There is a war. There's a war. One king is not going to go out another against another king until he sits down and he first looks at what he's got and sees if he can finish and fight the battle. Now, I want to tell you, the call to follow Christ is a call to battle. Listen, we're not just riding um, on a cruise ship in pleasure on our way to heaven. We are on a battleship in a war on our way to heaven. Now, we're not fighting to get to heaven. That fight was already won at Calvary, but we are fighting for our king. There is another king in this world. There's another kingdom of this world. Remember, when we got saved, we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Listen, we belong to the kingdom of Christ. And we are in this kingdom with a new king. We're following a new master. And our old master is not going to let that go. He is going to war against us. I hear Christians all the time that will say to me, you know, uh, I, I just have never really been in a battle with the devil. Well, friend, you better consider, are you, are you going against him? Maybe you're going the same direction. If you haven't met the devil, you're going the wrong way. You turn and follow Christ, and you're sure to meet the devil. You're going to meet him every time. Because Satan is against what Christ is doing. He is the great enemy of God, and he's the enemy of, of Christ, and he is going to oppose him, and you're in a conflict. I guarantee you, that one of the great reasons why so many Christians become casualties in the Christian life is because they went about the Christian life so casually. They forgot they were in a war. Some people come to Jesus and they think Jesus is just going to fix their life up in a way where they can just ride to heaven in a first-class passenger. Listen, friend, if you're going to heaven in Jesus Christ, you're already in the first-class cabin. But I want to tell you, it is a battle, and you're going to fight, and Jesus is making no bones about it. The call to discipleship is a call to battle. Are you in the battle? Are you winning victories? Are you living as a conquering Christian? If you're following Christ, he's not called you to lose. He's called you to win. Now, thanks be unto God, which causeth us always to triumph in Christ. That's what Paul said. Paul said, nay, in all things we are more than conquerors. John said, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now listen, we were not called into a battle to lose. We were called into a battle to win. And we're to be winners in this battle as long as we're following Christ. You follow Christ and you fight the way he's called you to fight, you'll win. But I want you to know uh, you are in a war. And I want to just be clear. You're outnumbered. You're outnumbered. It, the odds are against you. It's not fair in this battle. Notice what the Bible says. Look again at verse 31. What king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able, watch this, with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Now, friend, listen. God's people have always been outnumbered. It was Noah 
who was outnumbered in his day. He was the only one of all the families of the world that was perfect in his generations. He had not given in to the sin and the vileness of that age. He stood for God. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was battling building that ark, and people were mocking him. He was a preacher of righteousness. But he went in that boat a minority. But he came out of that ark a majority. And I want to tell you, friend, we are the master's minority. We're, in the, we're, we're outnumbered in this world. There is a great host against us. I remember when the disciples said, what are these among so many? And Jesus told his disciples, you are a little flock and I'm sending you out among wolves. Friend, you better hear me. We're outnumbered. There are many on the road to destruction, but only few on the, on the road, on the narrow path to life everlasting. And it's the few against these many. And I want to tell you, we're outnumbered. And there are more with him than there are with us. But friend, listen to me. In his, this passage, Jesus said it's two to one. It's two to one. But here's the thing. The numbers are on their side, but the favor is on our side. Uh, in Romans 8, 31, the Bible said, If God be for us, who can be against us? Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Now, friend, listen. The Christian life is a life of battle. It's a battle. That's why the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. That's why Paul said to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. He said, I want you to take the whole armor of God, having done all to stand. Now, why are we taking the armor of God? Because we have an enemy. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. We're going against this great army of wickedness, this tidal wave of the kingdom of darkness, and we're against it, and we're outnumbered. We're like the three Hebrew children in the midst of all of Babylon, standing before Nebuchadnezzar when he is in his fury saying, what God is going to deliver you from my hand? Friend, listen, we are in a battle. And I will tell you, number one, we need some disciples who are warriors that are not cowards. We need some people with courage and not cowards. Look at it again in your Bible here. You're going to go against ten, against 20,000 with 10,000. And he said, you have to sit down and count that cost and make sure that you can consult whether you can win this battle. Listen, you need to know you're going in against the odds. You're going in against the odds. But when you go against... If, when you go against the odds with God, the odds are in your favor, and you need not to be a coward. Now, it's easy to look at this world around us and feel f fear. Many of God's people through the years, down through the ages, have felt uh, fearful. And many times the Lord showed up and said, Be not afraid. Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Uh, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Now listen to me. We're going to get ourselves in positions where it's one against many. And you're going to have to stand courageously and unafraid with the Lord. Now we've got to be willing to go in the battle. And we've got to be willing to go in that battle headlong with the power of Christ to be strong in the Lord. That's what Paul said. 
standing strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Take the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, having done all to stand. This is the courage of a, of a believer. We need some courageous Christians who go forward into the battle and be willing to go against all the things that are stacked against us and be willing to stand for Christ. Now, many of us are afraid. I will tell you something right now. I believe the number one cause for people not to be soul winners and witnesses for Christ is we're afraid. We're afraid that we're going to be rejected. We're afraid we're going to be criticized. We're afraid that someone's going to make fun of us. We're afraid that we're going to be isolated at work and we're going to be ostracized by our families. We're afraid of that. So fear keeps us quiet about Christ. I believe that many people in, in churches today are not serving in some capacity. They could be teaching a class, but they're not doing it. Why? They're afraid. They're afraid what others might think. They're afraid what someone might say. They're afraid they might fail. But I want to tell you, fear, fear is keeping so many back from doing what they ought to do for Christ. Some should be singing uh, and blessing the church with their spiritual gift and a talent that God has given you, but you won't do it. You're afraid. You're afraid people won't like your voice. You're afraid that people won't uh, won't won't. Uh, uh, appreciate what you're doing or, or that they, that they uh, just won't have the same uh, kind of uh, a taste that you have. And, and so Christians are afraid. We're afraid to get up in front of others. There are some young men that, God's, that God wants you to preach and you're afraid to preach. You're afraid to take a stand for Christ. Maybe God's calling you to a mission field, but you're afraid to go. You're afraid to leave home. You're afraid that you won't be able to make it. You wonder where the funds are going to come from and, and, and how are you going to survive around the world by yourself. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. We need some Christians who can face what God is calling us to do today with courage and with some grit. We need some Christians who have an undaunting, unwavering, unafraid faith. Now, uh, God wants you to be a witness. And maybe fear is keeping your mouth closed. Maybe we're afraid that we're not going to be politically correct in this world. Well, friend, listen, if you preach this book, you're not going to be in line with the world. You're going to always be out of line with the world. But I'd rather be out of line with the world and in line with God and, and, uh, and doing what God has called me to do than to, than to be accepted by the world and unaccepted and unapproved of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Listen to me. We have no need to be ashamed. The world's going to think of us lowly. They're going to outcast us. They're going to mock us. Look what they did to our Savior. Why, why would you think they wouldn't do to us what they did to Him? But listen to me. If they rejected Him and He so courageously took the cross out of His love for you, we can courageously take this battle out of our love for Him. And we need to stand for Christ. And so, we need some warriors who have courage. Number two, I want to say this. Notice what the Bible says in verse 32. Or else. Now, listen, you better consult whether you with 10,000 can go fight him with 20,000. You're outnumbered. It's going to take some courage. How are you going to do this? Then he said, or else, if you don't, while the other king is a great way off, he will send an ambassage and desire conditions of peace. Now, listen to me carefully. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Listen to me. We need some warriors and disciples who are courageous. But we need some disciples of Christ 
who are not compromisers, who make no compromise. Now listen to me. Here's what Jesus is making the point here. He said, if you don't sit down and count the cost, and you really know what you're up against, if you aren't just real and truthful, that if you're going to follow Christ, the whole world's against you. And if you go with Him, you're going against the flow. And if you go with Jesus, you're going to have family members that are going to stand in your way. If you go with Jesus, you're going to have friends that are going to choose to walk away from you. If you go with Jesus, you're going to have some conflict. Maybe you might lose a job. Maybe you might uh, be blacklisted in your career. You might have some conflict in your own home. But listen to me. Jesus already told us, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Now, he doesn't want to bring division. He wants men to accept him. But the fact of the matter is, when you go to follow Christ, you have to choose him above everything else. And there are going to be some who have chosen everything else above him, and therefore, they don't choose you. And so there's a cost in that. Now, if you don't consider that cost, and you don't courageously go with that cost, here's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be tempted to make a compromise. You're going to see all the odds against you, 20,000 stacked up against you, and you're going to be tempted in that moment to say, I need to send an ambassador. i got to send somebody out and make a deal with the enemy. Listen to me. You can't make a deal with the devil. You're going to send out an ambassador. You're going to try to make a compromise. And you're going to make some kind of a negotiation to try to appease the enemy. Now, friend, listen to me carefully. You can't make peace with the devil. You can't make peace with those in their trespasses and sins. You will start making compromises in your own life with sin. You'll start saying, well, you know what? When I, when I got saved, I gave up this sin. But, you know, this one's not so bad. I don't see what's wrong with this. And, friend, you will start making some compromises in your own life that are going to be dangerous and destructive, and they're going to cost you. They're going to cost you. If you don't count the cost and say, I'm going to courageously go into this battle, you are going to begin to make compromises. And there's no such thing as a disciple of Jesus Christ who's a compromiser with the enemy. You can't, you can't serve two masters. You can't make peace with the devil. You can't make an agreement with sin. Friend, listen, you have to treat that sin in your life like that sin is going to treat you. You put it to death. You have no mercy on it because it won't have mercy on you in the end. Uh, you might be able to control it and find pleasure in it for a season, but friend, there's a day coming when that sin will bring forth death. A man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and he's enticed. And when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Let me tell you, this is the only abortion I'm for. Before lust can conceive, you deal with it. No compromise. No deal. No appeasement. No easy way. You deal with it in that moment before there is a conception, before there is an embryo of sin, before there is that day when sin will finish and it will finish you. Uh, don't do it. Be, as a follower of Christ, be courageous. As a follower of Christ, 
no compromise. And then I want to say thirdly, listen to me. We need warriors who are not cautious. Now, I understand that that there are some things in life that we have to show some caution with. And there's some ways to handle things wisely. But friend, listen, you must not be a cautious disciple. When Jesus is saying, follow me, you follow him. And in following Christ, you throw caution to the wind. You go with him where he is leading. Where he leads me, I will follow. Somebody one time said, where he leads me, I will follow. What he feeds me, I will swallow. You go with Christ. You go with Christ. Down in the valley with my Savior, I will go. You follow Jesus where he leads you. And you throw caution to the wind. Look at verse 33. So likewise, just like a man who's going to be going to war, consulting whether how he can with 10,000 beat the king with 20,000, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now, now, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying this, listen, you can't be a cautious follower of Christ. You can't say, well, Lord, I'll follow you, but I want to bring this with me. Uh, Lord, I want to follow you, but I need this to survive. Listen, he said, I want you to follow me. And you've got to put everything into my hands. You put it all in my hands. Remember when the, the, the Lord told his disciples, don't take script, don't take staff, don't take purse, don't take anything with you. You just go. And you do the, what I've sent you to do. And that's exactly what we need today. We need some Christians who just put trust in him, throw caution to the wind and say, God, my life is in your hands. I'm going all in with you. And you're going to take care of me and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Now, friend, listen, I've done this in my life. There have been times I've had to just go with God, and I didn't know how things were going to work out. I didn't have a second uh, a plan B. I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a exit strategy. I just said, Lord, here we go. And it's sink or swim. It's do or die. It's follow with him. And I want to tell you, that's what it takes. If you're going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to give him everything. Now listen, the Lord doesn't want something from you. He wants everything. You know, some people say, Lord, I want to give you a place in my life. Lord, I want you to have a place in my life. Listen, he doesn't want a place in your life. He wants the whole life. He doesn't want to be, somebody said, well, you know, you need to make Jesus a part of your life. He doesn't want to be a part of your life. He wants preeminence in your life. He wants all of it. He doesn't want prominence. He doesn't want the best place. He wants all the place. It's his. Lay it at his feet. Give it to him. Say, Lord, I'm going into this battle and I'm giving you everything. And I want you to take all of it. You, and here's what he's really saying. He's, here's what he's saying. He's saying this. If you're going to go into a battle, if you're going to go into a battle, you have to have all your heart and all your soul in that battle. You can't have part of your heart attached to other things of this world. Why? Because when you get into the heat of the battle, you'll be tempted to run. You'll be tempted to turn back. You'll be tempted to go astray. And he said, so I want all of your heart on this cause. I want all your soul into this. I want everything into this. Forsake everything and follow me. And so listen, uh, the Lord 
wants prominence in your life. He wants all of it. Let me ask you a question. Is there any part of your life that the Lord Jesus does not have? Is there any part of your life that He does not control? Is there anything that's in your life that Jesus does not have His hands on? Well, let me just tell you quite plainly, if there is, you cannot be His disciple. The Lord is not going to say, you can follow me with 98% of your heart, but you can just give this thing over here a little bit of your heart. No, 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 it's Him. It's Him. You've got to go all in with Jesus. Why? Because anywhere where there's a part of your heart, part of your mind, part of your soul on something else, when the battle gets hot and heavy, you'll turn from Christ and you'll cling to that. If He has all of you, then you're all in with Him and you'll stay faithful and true to the very end. Now friend, listen, the Lord is not going to use cowards. The Lord's not going to use compromisers. And the Lord's not going to use people who have become followers of Christ with such a caution in their life that they have, they have a plan B. They have an escape route. They have a way to go back. They have something to fall back on. Listen, there's nothing. Forsake all and follow Him. We need some disciples who have a love for Christ. And I mean a burning in their heart. Love Him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. And give everything to His cause. Listen to me. When you give all of that, He'll give you everything He is. And you will learn of Him. And you'll have more. And you'll love more. And you'll do more. And you'll accomplish more. Because you love Him. And Him alone. We're in a war today. And you cannot be in love with this world and in love with Christ. You cannot be in love with your sin and in love with Christ. You cannot say, well, I love Jesus more than I love this, but I do love this. No, listen, friend. Forsake all and follow Him. Leave it all behind and let Jesus have you. That's the kind of discipleship that He's calling us to. Are you a disciple of Christ? Are you focused on following Christ? Now, friend, listen, if you've never been saved, I want to tell you on the authority of this book, if you've never come to Jesus Christ saying yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, listen to me, you're destined for an eternity away from Jesus Christ in a Christless hell. And friend, what a terrible place. What a terrible eternity. What a thought. And Jesus came to die for you, to bear your sins, to Die the death for your sins. He rose again from the dead. And He's alive forevermore. And He's alive today to receive you. If you'll receive Him. You say yes to Jesus, He'll say yes to you. He'll forgive you. He'll give His life to you. He'll save you. He'll give you eternal life. And then He'll live in you. And you can follow Him as a disciple. Friend, listen. Say yes to Jesus Christ. All you have to do today is... Understand your sinful condition. Come to Jesus Christ confessing your sin. And in the best way you know how, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, Jesus, I am a sinner and I'm lost and I need to be saved. I'm receiving you now as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Live in me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And now I'm asking you, Jesus,
Give me boldness and courage to be public with my decision for you, to let others know. Now, friend, that's what you need to do. You need to be saved. I'm inviting you to be saved. Those of you who are saved, are you a disciple? Are you following Christ boldly, courageously, without compromise, no caution, all in for Jesus Christ? Can you really say with the Apostle Paul, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's all Him. It's all Him. That's the desire. Father, I pray that You'll help us to be the disciples that You've called us to be. Lord, I pray that we would really sit down and we'd count the cost. Lord, that we would be in this thing to carry the cross, to finish the construction, to go into this conflict. Lord, that we would be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful, focused, fiery disciples for Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful week. Let's live for Jesus.